0: I'd uh, like to begin by reminding us, what is marriage about? Marriage, as I'm using it here, marriage is a horizontal team about a vertical relationship. Marriage is a horizontal team, uh, this thing, uh, with your spouse. Uh, Someday, if if you get married as a single, uh, if the Lord would have that, um, it's a team, But it's a team that's about a vertical thing. And I am just so um, impassioned about helping us see the vertical part of this. Um, And with that, let me say this. Um, Going into this foundations, as I was working through what to talk on, um, there's a number of things that have passed through my mind my goal is for you to leave with three words, two of which we've already covered. And let me just grab these two just for a moment. Think of this. Just imagine if, um, I'll just give you the third one, doesn't matter. Just, just imagine if this coming week, um, married couples as well as singles and thinking about life, but Just imagine in your home this week if you were thinking team all week. We're a team. We're a team. Um, Get food together. You wake up in the mornings and you have things, you have activities going on. Some weeks are busy, some weeks are quiet, some weeks are calm, some weeks are quite hectic. But literally, just imagine if that was on the forefront of your mind this week. We're a team. I suggest life would begin looking differently. I mean, if we were really thinking that way. And not just getting through the day with the things that I'm doing and the things that Karen's doing and, and having our calendars mesh up. But no, literally, if right in the forefront of it, if we are going through life and we are thinking, we are a team. And we are a team about with a vertical purpose. I would suggest that statement right there would drastically change our lives and how we think and do life. It may not change the schedule, all the details, but honestly, I'm not going for the schedule right now in this foundations. I'm going for how we think and how we process what marriage and how we see it. And just that alone, uh, do, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Are you with me? Because right at the moment, I'm not sure you're with me. I'm feeling very alone and naked. <laughs> uh, the TMI, TMI, TMI. <laughs> Add to that this. What if, as a team going through that, wives, you are thinking, yield you first. By the way, yield. Coming on a highway, you come on the on ramp, and you just don't go, huh? Ah! Some of you do. <laughs> you know, you, but even if you gun it, you're watching, right? You're seeing what's going on. And there's sometimes you gotta gun it, okay? But when you're coming, it's the idea of yielding is this idea you're, you're you're taking a look because you just don't go there like bam. You're watching what's happening and that, just think of it, wives, if that's the way you were processing this coming week. We're a team uh, with a verticalness and, and in this whole thing of it, I'm just not going to floor it and play smash up derby. That's not the image. The picture is I'm yielding, I'm I'm i I'm, I'm you first. Just imagine how that would change. I I suggest that would be dramatically, after days, after weeks, after some months, I would suggest that alone would dramatically change marriages. Agreed? Agreed. If not, you can say no. (laughs) No. And guys, I'll talk here. Uh, We're going to be talking about the word for guys is betray. Betray. And I'll show you where that comes out of here in just a minute. Um, but guys, imagine this if you were living life in your home this week, we're a team. And I'm living like Christ walking down the Via Dolorosa, carrying the cross for her. Oh my word! I'm already convicted. Friends, this is where I get in this, and so often we want to end up, you know, knowing the details and how to process this and how to level that and how to do this. And, and I just keep coming back to the right thinking. If if we would just put right thinking in this, so many aspects, so many things of life would just be worked as an offering unto the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants to have happen. Okay? So a a, uh, horizontal team about a vertical relationship uh, for the Lord. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're there. Um, I go to Ephesians 5 here because I think this is the most concise and yet at the same time, For a husband and a wife, the most concise, and yet at the same time having enough meat to it to grab a hold of. I I think uh, for me personally in all of Scripture, if you want to know what a husband and a wife look like, this is the passage. This is the passage. There's others certainly that talk about it, but this is the one. So, verse 25. Husbands, we're up at bat. Husbands what your wives? Love. The word is agape. Um, Doug, why are you using these Greek words? Well, I paid for some courses. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really not, not. Honestly, I really want for you to understand why I'm doing this. Some of the terminology I, I'm just, you heard from me last session, some of the terminology I think we're, we're losing both as time and culture shifts, as words have change in meaning in the English. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so keyed up about the English words. I'm about what the text means. That's what I'm about. And so in this, it's husbands agape, your wives. Agape, that's um, a, a, an important word here. Agape, as it starts out here, is a, uh, the word, it is not a noun, it is a verb. It is not a title, it is not a position, it is not a hierarchy. Love goes at the heart again, okay? Love, agape here, there's, uh, I think as you may know, and Scripture has various words in the Greek for love. Agape is referencing a sacrificial love. I think you'll see why that word is used here. It's a sacrificing love. It's a serving love. It's a self-giving love. It's John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It's not just an emotional, oh, I just feel so lovey to you. It's not so much that. Uh, listen, I'm all about the emotions and the feelings, and man, I love that. But agape is not just about that. It has this idea of it is a will-driven first, not an emotion-driven first love. It it is kind of the idea of a covenant love. And I'll say, it's fantastic uh, to have the emotions and the feelings, isn't it? I, I mean, man, who doesn't want a marriage where it's just like, bing? I am just so like wow for her, okay? I mean, just woo, you know? I mean, who who doesn't want that? And that's an awesome thing, but at the same time, it's like, that's not life all the time. Um, That's just not. And here, this is why it's using agape, because agape love can be done with anyone at any time, because it's a self-sacrificing, it's a, it's a giving love, it doesn't require me to feel the love. You do the love. That's really important. By the way, the word here is also present active imperative. It's husbands, you must be presently, actively, and continuously doing this love for your wife. That's hard. That's hard. Hupotazo, ladies. Agape, amen. Uh, So how do I do that? That's a great question. Uh, As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her like that. That's the picture. And it's so interesting because both of these are given a picture because marriage is ultimately about a picture, it's about a picture of Christ and the church. It's, it's, think of that, every moment of every day, the Godhead can get grand glory out of your marriage because the Godhead is just looking and it is going, that's so awesome because that's the gospel being lived out right there in that home every day all the time. Oh, sweet fragrance of this marriage unto the Lord. It's a hupotasuing, it's a, like the church does, it's a agapeing like Christ does. How do we do that? Like Christ loved the church. Um, By the way, he's talking here about when Christ gave himself up. You see that? I'm sorry, but one more Greek word, he parodidomied, parodidomai, I remember that word because in, in seminary, I just would always think a pair of tennis shoes. I'll give you a pair of tennis shoes. And, uh, that means nothing. <laughs> just That's hard. <laughs> that was random, sorry. Um, but he's talking about here what kind of love, of loving the church, if you will. It's when he's walking down the Via Della Rosa to the cross. Hear, hear me on this, guys. When the text is talking about this, is not talking about you love your wife like Christ sitting on the throne. It's not that. It's not that. Say not. It's not that. Instead, the love that's being talked about here, it's not referencing that love. It's not re- referencing that God over love, that oh, I am over... It's not referencing a hierarchy love. It's referencing the love of when Christ was beaten spit upon crushed carrying the cross on the via della rosa nailed to the cross lifted up dying that's what the text is talking about And this is why, if you can sense within me, I I do, I get so intense on these discussions because I am, I'm so intense on this part of this because of the doctoral work that I'm, I guess, back doing again now and out of that. But so often what happens is the whole conversation becomes across, comes out of this hierarchical thing. And I just say, that's not what the text is talking about. The text here for the guys is talking about this hard thing. I am to be loving my wife sacrificially in the same kind of manner in which Christ was being pummeled and beaten and sacrificed to death on the cross. Love like that. And yet there is this thing, been in history. There's been this thing uh, uh, um, among even church and Christians over time where it's like this thing here. And I understand because there's this headship talk and this other talk. But listen, if you look at the text, it's not this. It's this heart of walking down the Via Dolorosa for your wife. And this is where I just sit back and I go, Oh my word, you guys, I'm just straight up with you. I was not that this week with my wife. And neither were you. True? Okay, it's guy to guy talk on this, and ladies, you can listen in. But I'm telling you, this is so heavy, and I get so burdened when I hear these conversations. It's like, what's the word usually used for men in the husband role? The leader. He's the leader. Leader is hierarchy talk. And I'll just tell you straight up, I don't use it anymore in referring to how a husband is to be living with his wife. Because in our day and age, when we hear leader, what do we think? CEO. The boss. The man that makes the decisions. The one who's over. The one who's on top on so then if you follow church history in the last decades, the term, they kind of caught that, the term then became servant leader, trying to bring in the aspect of it. And so it's servant leader, and I get it, and listen, I'm not all mad about it, but I am kind of mad about it because it's losing what the text is about, so are you telling me that when Jesus is walking down the Via Della Rosa, beat the Smithers, being cussed at, spit at, hated, mocked, carrying the cross for his bride, that was leadership? As we think of the term, I'm sorry, I'm just out on that. Because look at what the text is talking about. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, parodidomying himself. Parodidomy. Mark 15, verse 15, Pilate, Perodidomy, Jesus, he gave him up. Mark, Mark 15, 10, the chief priests, Perodidomy, Jesus, uh, they handed him over. Uh, Mark 14, Judas is called the Piddo... <laughs> I'm trying to do Greek and English at the same time. He was the Pidodidomier. <laughs> he is the betrayer. Mark 14.42, Jesus references at, at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, that there is one who will parodidot me. Listen, I'm just saying as you follow the gospel and the uses of the word, here you have this clear idea that this gospel used for this word has this idea of, listen, Judas did not lead Jesus. Pilate did not lead Jesus. The chief priest did not lead Jesus. They all gave him up or betrayed him. It's all within this context idea of it. So the the word that we have here, guys, for us out of Ephesians 5 is this word betray. And by the way, I'm not saying betray your wife. I'm saying betray you. Because that's what the text says. Husbands, we're to self-sacrificially with a will-driven love your wives. How? Well, like Christ loved the church. Well, how did He do that? Like when He paradidomied Himself, He betrayed Himself. He handed Himself over for her. I'm straight up with you. I have tried to make the text say something different because I don't want to have to be that because this is like way killer hard and no pun intended. And yet when I hear this talked about, we get this idea that men are the head. That they're in a leader capacity, like they're over. And then when we have the wife submit, I come back to the text, and I'm not saying I'm an egalitarian at all. I'm saying I'm a complimentary, I'm just complimentary, and but I'm saying look at the text and what it says. It tells us the picture of what it's supposed to look like. And this is what it's supposed to look like. Husbands, we are supposed to self-sacrificially be loving our wives like Christ loved the church, walking down the Via Della Rosa for her and wives right now. I'd really be encouraging you to keep Matthew chapter seven in your your mind right now and don't get hard on them because us guys, we're going to be called first for being that or not and just here with you, it scares the crap out of me because I know how much I'm not that true, guys? I'm totally bearing myself here right now. It's true. I'm so wanting for my conversation not to be down at you, but with you. Is that coming across? Okay, I'm very sensitive about that. Verse 26. Why? Why? (laughs) why do that verse 26 and 7 that he Christ might sanctify her the church the illustration is continuing having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor this is Christ without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands love your wives in that way. So why do this? Why be that? Well, because uh, how, I'm sorry, you know, for what purpose? Because the purpose of what our doing this as husbands is supposed to be is just what Christ was. And look at a couple of the key words here, to sanctify her, to, to help set her apart unto the Lord. That's the idea of it. I mean, wives, you, you right now, you, you should be in a place where it's like, oh, man, go, Doug, go, Doug, go. <laughs> it's like, I want a husband that is helping me set me apart unto the Lord. Oh, man, I want that kind of husband, right, ladies? But we say that, you say, no, we, you say that, you say that with great care and caution and concern and humility because that's a tough thing to do. Guys, we're to be the kind of men that are looking at our wives and thinking, just like Christ did, walking down the Via Dolorosa. Can you imagine that? He's walking, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And he gets smacked again, spit on again. And by the way, he's the one who created everyone and everything around them. And at any moment, at any time, while he's carrying the cross, he could have just fried the living bejeebers out of all of them in a moment and he's like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Nailed to the cross. Why am I doing this? Why was he doing this? Yeah. He was doing this for, not for himself, if you will. It was ultimately for his glory, if you will. But he was doing it for those, us. And in that way, husbands love your wives. In that sacrificial kind of a way. In that going to the cross kind of that way. Sanctifying her. Look at the next one in verse 27. I love this one. That he might present her. Guys, uh, here's here's a picture I I would exhort to us. It's this picture of... so. uh, 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 Listen, when I stand before the Lord, I think... This is just me here, sanctified imagination... But I think that probably one of the first things the Lord is going to be asking us husbands about is so let's talk about you and your wife and how that whole thing went. Well, Lord, you gave her to me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that won't last. I promise that won't last. And then this whole conversation on, and you see the text where it's like, so t- talk to me, Doug, talk to me, Bob, talk to me, I'm not picking on anyone, talk to, talk to me, Phil, talk to me, whatever guy, talk to me about your wife and you're preparing her for her presentation unto me. Let's talk about that subject. No, I'd really rather talk about our career. I'd really rather talk about the house we had, the things we did, you know, the church I pastored. I'd really prefer to do that. No, let's do this. Let's have a conversation about the whole you and how you came alongside like Christ uh, and and help prepare to sanctify, set apart. And, And then in the text, it also says that she might be holy without blood. Let's talk about that. you imagine that you should be and I don't say this to rear but because it is coming and so now in it here what the text is telling us is it's kind of like hey that conversation is going to be coming and yet Because your job, guys, your job, husbands, is to be the kind of man that is preparing her for her presentation. Oh, and then I read this, and I think over the last week or so, And it scares the crap out of me. And I need your help. And we need each other's help to be these kind of people. To be hoopotasuing women and agape parodidomying men. <laughs> To be yielding women and people and betraying men. Oh, we need help. And I'm tired of the games. I'm tired of the hierarchy talk. And I'm tired of the fake. And it's time to get face down. Verse 28. So, is that seriously the thing? Yeah, verse 28. In the same way. I mean, like, just like that. In the same way, husbands, agape your wives as their own bodies. Okay, comment on this. I don't want to spend too much time because that's kind of a funky statement to us in our day and age because we think, oh yeah, i got to love myself first before I can love my wife. It is not saying that. What it is saying is, is listen, guys, we love ourselves so much... We don't need to love ourselves anymore. Here's the deal. If you and I would just love our wives like we have the tendency to love ourselves, you're on target. That's what it's talking about. It's not saying you need to go out and and, and get a grand self-esteem. No, 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 listen. We already esteem ourselves way too high anyway. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. And instead what we need to do is look at ourselves and go, oh my word, I am all about me. I am all about me. And if I would just love her like the way I love me, I'm on the highway. I'm on the highway. Uh, Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh. And it's not saying to hate yourself. It's just saying take that idea and carry it over. But nourishes and cherishes it. Cherishes it just as Christ does the church. (laughs) By the way, we look around at us, guys, and we're also good looking anyway, aren't we? (laughs) I mean, look at us. Fit. (laughs) Hot. Is that the wrong word for guys? Uh, Okay, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Whatever. but nourishes and cherishes just as Christ does His church. Because we are members of His body. Verse 31. Therefore, a man shall do what Genesis chapter 2 said. Look at this. Therefore, uh, um, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Leave cleave, weave. Uh, guys, uh, that means leave mommy. That means leave the security of dad. And that means that we, uh, in marriage, we, we uh, love the picture, we hold fast to a wife. Hold fast. And the word isn't like grab her quickly, the word is like hold and keep holding. Why would it say that? Because there's probably the tendency to let go. There's probably the tendency for us to get diverted on, uh, you know, on on our cars or our things and our airplanes or, you know, our yard or or golf clubs or, you know, it's hold fast to her. Hold, Hold there. Cleave. And then the last word, uh, uh, one flesh, going back to Genesis, it's it's weave, by the way, weave, and, and it has this idea, actually, this idea of two pieces of metal. Back in my business days, we used to do uh, stainless welding, and so we'd take two sheets of, uh, of flat gauge stainless, and we'd put them together, and, and then you would, we had made these tubs, and, and then in the corners you would weld, or if they were flat, the idea here is that in the weaving part is that they're brought together, they're welded together, they're not one, It's one piece, but the fact of the matter is, is there's still two, okay? There's still two, and you can see the weld there. And yet on the weld, what would be is, is what is the most awesome idea is, is when you can get to the point where you weld something, and then you, over some time, and some friction, and some heat, you grind that off. And what's the ultimate is when you can make those two look like one, That's the idea of the weaving. It's a whole life of that, uh, bringing that together. Two that end up looking like one. Verse 32. Boy, all this is pretty profound. Man, you're right on the text. Verse 32, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Men, um, as with women, our playing on the team of marriage is tied to a picture. Women, yours is, and men, we are. Jesus and the church. And guys, the picture here is not Jesus Christ ruling over the church. The picture here is Jesus Christ sacrificing himself his entire life, giving everything that he is, taking the pain, taking the hurt, taking the spit, taking the beating, and I'll even add here right in this moment, sometimes in some homes, that even includes the spitting and the words of your spouse, which is a sad reality, but sometimes it means, husband's, even when my spouse is acting like my enemy, I am still carrying the cross to my ultimate goal. Parodidomine myself. And I bring this and I just ask this question. I, I truly think I'm being true to the text. This is hugely important to me. And when I look at the text, I ask the question, when we use the terminology of leader, I just don't think that hits it. I just don't think that hits it. It just doesn't give the sense of it. It doesn't give the the wholeness of it. It doesn't give the heart of it. It gives a hierarchy of it. And I I just don't see that anywhere in the text here. It's not CEO, it's not decision maker central, it's not the head honcho. Instead, verse 23, going back to what we had read with the wives, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church's body and is himself its savior. Again, guys, you've got to understand the picture here. You are not your wife's savior. <laughs> that seat's already filled but it's carrying the holistic of the movement of the text all the way from our identity and how to live the new life in chapter 4 and, and walking in love with this. When you follow the whole flow of it, you get this more fantastic idea. It's not just about decisions. It's not about a hierarchy. It's about a horizontal team that's about a vertical relationship. And that is unlike any relationship on the planet. And it's holy, and it's to where they're acting as a team in it all together. This is where he, as a husband, is sacrificing himself for her, preparing her for her presentation unto the Lord. That that means, guys, we're considering, where is your wife at? Even spiritually? When was the last time, husbands, that we took a moment and sat back and thought, how could I help my wife grow? What, what, what's an area of her life that she needs to be growing in? and How could I come along and encourage her, not lord over her, but, but be sacrificial, pulling her along, helping her along, cheering her on, helping her see, loving on her, coming alongside and taking the hits for her. And sometimes if, if she's with the kids, and, and it's like we sometimes guys have this, well, I provide finances. You see Jesus, the cross on his back. He's just shoveling out money to people. That's not the picture. It's for his bride that's going on with it. And in this, oh, the picture is so deep. And so much more eternal and so much more grand than some little idea that my wife is here to give me kids and make my dinner and have sex. Oh, it's so much more beautiful, fantastic, just Ask Jesus. Listen, friends, I think if we had a conversation right now with Jesus, which would really be cool, if we had, a, I don't think there would be one nanosecond where he would go, it was not worth it. Men, I'm calling us to begin the movement towards giving yourself over and betray yourself, and it's done. Now, that would be fantastic. But it usually doesn't happen that way, that clean. It's that having to be done every day, every hour, with every situation. Because it's a heart thing. Ladies, pray for your husband. Husband and wife, you are a team. You are not a corporation. You are a team. You are not a corporation. You are a team, not a corporation. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and betrayed himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might then be set apart, holy, sanctified, without blemish. In the same way, husbands should be agaping, Their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife. Now that's really loving yourself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a husband shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Oh, this mystery is profound. Amen. Amen. And I am saying that refers to Christ and the church. Verse 33. However, let each of you love your wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Marriage is a living picture. babe. It's a living picture. It's a living picture of a husband dying for her and a picture of a wife living for him. Let me say that one more time. It's a picture of the husband dying for her like Christ died for the church. And it's a picture of her living for him like the church lives for Christ. And I'll say this oh man, hey guys, do we not want a cheerleader for a wife? I mean, a wife that would be cheering us on, that would be living for us? Guys, listen, you can say it. Your wife's in the room, but that's okay. You can say it. Would you not want a wife that is living for you? (laughs) Man, I'm so trying. (laughs) I mean, would you not want that? Oh, man. Oh, and ladies, I'm setting you up. I'm helping here. I'm doing the guys first. And ladies, would you not want to be able to have a husband, a man who, who is there, who is your team member, where you knew that he that he is thinking about you, where you are at in your spiritual life, where you are at as a as a woman before God, and even having given thought. How can I help her? How can I help her to set her apart more unto the Lord? How can I prepare her for my presentation to the Lord? Lord, look at her. Look at her. Oh, ladies, don't you want a guy like that? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm just, I get so intense. I just think if our church, not perfect, was this, growing towards this, with a passion in this, with a pursuing after this, with men that are like this. Oh, guys, hell cannot be overrun with men like that. Did I say that? I said that wrong. Let's charge hell. <laughs> okay? I told you I'm not that smart. (laughs) And can you imagine if we had women who are the kind of women who who were were cheering their husbands on? Oh, and it's like, if I was like, no, babe, you first. No, babe, you first. No, you first. No, really you. Okay, listen. Now, that could be annoying after a while. (laughs) But imagine, and where I'm going at in all this, is imagine if we were thinking that way. Oh, Harvest. Your homes would look amazing fragrance unto the Lord. This community would be rocked. Those people over there, they're really serious about this. They're helping each other with this. They're not playing the religious game. They're getting after it and Men who are face down and humble about it, but men who are men and are carrying the load of the cross for the benefit of our wife, for the benefit of our women. That's a church. And a church filled with women. Oh, you see the picture. Do you? What a sweet fragrance that is to the Lord. And it all starts here. Team, yield, betray. What are they again? Team, yield, betray. One more time. I kind of want to go faster and faster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> three passages. First one is Matthew 7. 3, 5. Okay. Three words, three texts. Small groups, friends. I don't want those three words in those three texts to be forgotten after today. I want them to be taken into our homes, and I want them to be taken together. And so when we're coming together with things, and we're struggling in our marriage, guys, gals, you can remember that. Just go right there. Just be thinking, okay, let, let's just talk right there. We can help each other with that. Okay, let, remember those three words, that annoying guy? I don't even remember his name, that Doug or something like that. The guy was talking about there, and, and remember those three words, uh, uh, what are they? Let's talk about those and what's happening in, in your marriage and what's going on. And by the way, let's grab the three texts, which is... Matthew 7, Genesis Genesis 5. Awesome. And, and, and let's start with Matthew 7 because I don't want to sit here and hear you, you know, complain about your wife or complain about your husband because, because in this right now, let, let's just talk about where are you at and what, what's going on. And, let's, and man, just, you, see, you can just take all this at lunch, over coffee... Over the phone, encouraging. Remember, remember Matthew 7. Right now, I, I don't want to go there in a conversation because right now we're, we're, we're bad talking. We're d- bad talking your spouse. I, I just don't want to go there. Let's talk about you. What, what, what's, the, what's the 5% of the problem that you need to be 100% about? Okay? And all of this carries into spiritual life. Husbands, betraying yourself. Helping your wife and her spiritual life and the family. A team together, by the way. I'm going to be very, very honest with you right here for a moment. The other reason I don't like the word leader is for me and my role, I'm sometimes, you just kind of got to know me in some ways. I've never yearned to like be a pastor of a thousand people. That's just not on my radar. That's just not who I am and it... Honestly, I'll just say it again, it scares the crap out of me, to be straight with you. And sometimes I get so tired of leading. And I see how poor of a leader I am in so many ways. And I just want to go home. There's times where it's like, then I have this thing for my past, you know, lover, learner, leader. I'm like, oh, I gotta go home and lead at home. I'm so tired. I've told Karen this. I'm so tired of leading. And as time's gone on, I'm like, wait a second. When I'm with her, we're a team. And it's more I can continue betraying myself, that's hard, but it's like sometimes I need her big to block out front. Cuz I'm tired and I'm worn. Or I'm just tired of leading. I'm even just saying that for women with it. That's why I don't like this terminology. Because then, even in the home, sometimes wives, you are a lot better at some things than us guys are. No, but he has to lead. Wait a second, we're a team. And let's talk about this and how can we do this. And it's harnessing our strengths together as a team to be able to do this. And spiritual things and financial things and our family life thing and making decisions about it. Listen, I will tell you, and Karen can attest, I have no idea when the last time I pulled my husband card on a decision. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you, listen, would I? Yes, I would if I had to. But it's the kind of thing, an aviation thing, where it's like we're, we're in the pattern, we're flying around, we have conversation together about things, and, and it's the same thing like with our elders. and it's, it's about consensus with it. And it's like sometimes, like, should we land? And Karen's like, ah, I'm not too sure about this. And it's like, okay, let's go around again. And we set it aside and we wait for a period of time because she is my best counselor, my best teammate. And we do it together, and rarely is it ever. Though, well, I've decided we're buying Canada. <laughs> I, I, I just, I just have to say, you guys, where is that feel in the text? Where is that? Yes, we will be up to bat first before the Lord. First responsibility, head on the chopping block first, headship. Okay, let's wrap it. Every time I talk on this, it rips me up. Did not sleep well last night. Did not sleep well. As a pastor and as a man, this weighs so heavy on me. This weighs so heavy on all of us. And I know with small group leaders and our pastors, and we want to be the kind of church that helps each other. Don't we? Amen. We want to be that. And that was so much of this is about for me here. And guys, it gets so heavy because I want to talk about something where I'm like, I kind of got my arms wrapped around this one, and this is one of those. Man, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to be what God's word says to be every day. And the more when I see what it says every time, the harder and the weightier it gets. And yet, in it, just being, I purpose to be so vulnerable before you because it's it's just for me, it's we need to see the weight, we need to feel the weight. Together, pressing ahead. Men that are like this. Women that are like this. Not selfish. Not Genesis 3.16. Not me wanting to rule over my wife and her wanting to rule over me. I want to win that war. And there's only one way we can do it. Because of our identity in Christ. We're dead meat without it. The only reason it makes sense is because of what Christ has done for us. And all the Lord is saying is, just be and do what I've done for you. Just that's it. That's it. So feel the weight. I want us to feel the weight. I don't want us to leave today all like, oh marriage. Let's go home make out. You know, go home make out. I'm all for that too. Um I would really encourage you, as I kind of pressed into the ladies when we were there and with time I didn't with the guys here, but I would just really encourage you. What's one thing? that you could start with? Um, Oftentimes, uh, people, when their life is like a spaghetti bowl, and you look, and it's got all the spaghetti, and it's like, where do I start? And just this, just reach in, grab one, and start pulling it. And guys, for you, what's an area for you that you're struggling to be a team player, and you're struggling to betray yourself? Just one, just pick one area, and start thinking it through this week. Ladies, for you, just what's one area you're struggling to be a team player and a, a, a yield person? What's, what's one way? And just grab that and watch yourself this week. Just watch to learn. Observe yourself. That's what the texts are talking about in, the, in Ephesians. It's, it's discerning with, Lord, show me, help me. And sometimes we don't know how to apply it because we haven't grabbed something to put skin to it. So I would just encourage you, grab one, okay? And if you want to share it with your spouse, that's fine. But listen, it's not this kind of a way. Hey, here's mine. What's yours? Okay? It's not that. And let me finish with this is a, is a tidbit. With my doctoral project, uh, coming comes out of Karen and I over the years, uh, for the last 15, 20 years, have had this observation. We used to term it where um, men are generally lazy, women are generally critical, and we've observed this in just through working with people over the years, not in ourselves. <laughs> okay. Um, and so what, what I'm doing is I'm working on the men's side of this and observing with men. And, and one of the things I put out, it's been so interesting because I was kind of forced to do a whole lot of the secular research thing, which kind of caused some of the thing. Anyway, um, with some of the secular research, but come upon this thing that now since the early 1900s, there's been this observation noted through history that men are generally um, withdrawing and women generally demand. And uh, not all the times, but here's the thing what happens. Women get frustrated if their man isn't who they just heard they should be so they get critical critical and then the husband is like I can't win I'm out and this becomes this cycle of defeat and discouragement and hurt and men generally withdraw and women generally come at it and go come on man and he's like I can't win I've never been able to win I take that and I say this, Matthew 7. Don't go home um, examining your spouse. Go home examining you. And by the way, ladies, if there's something you see your husband advancing in, You know, don't make a... But just cheer them on. And and, and guys, your wife would be so encouraged to watch you walk the Via Dolorosa for her. Right, ladies? Okay. So a couple thoughts there on how we move now. And maybe it's for you. Maybe you want to spend some time at lunch. Um, don't have to, Uh, maybe it's even if people get together in that and some of it have a conversation about, so what's something that sticks out to you? There's something good about learning to talk some of these things.